Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Thanks for being with us this week on Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus, CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, serving you in Columbia and throughout Howard County. You can find us online at theuswealthadvisors.com. Janine, great to talk to you this week. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Fantastic to hear that. I am well and looking forward to our conversation today. Lots to jump into and to talk about coming up on the podcast today. You might have seen it in the headline. We're going to be talking about some of those risky but also very popular investments. Should these be things that you're investing in? Uh, are they a part of your portfolio or financial plan? We'll talk to Janine about some of these things on today's show. Plus, we've got a great question from Brent as well. Brent wanting to know if his uh, brother-in-law is correct in talking about uh, some overvalued things about the market and about the uh, economy right now. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first... Extra, extra, read all about it. It's time to see what's happening in the news, where each week we take a look at uh, what's going on in the recent headlines. And Janine, one thing that we saw recently was that many major companies reported strong earnings in the first quarter of the year. Do you think it's a good sign for the market for the rest of the year? Well, I do. And that uh, it's not a prediction that the market is going to continue to go up. Um, we know the market goes up and down all the time. In fact, this first quarter, I think that's what we saw a lot of up and down, up and down. And now it's we're kind of numb to it, I think. But generally speaking, companies are reporting strong earnings because we've had substantive legislation that was restrictive for growth rescinded. And that's allowing these companies room to grow. A lot of companies have shown great profits in this first quarter. And that actually translates to good stock prices or appreciation of stock prices in your 401ks or in your different portfolios. So that's something you should really look forward to. I see this continuing through the year because we have tax reform that has helped reduce the tax burden on companies and that's created more profitability, it's created more bonuses for employees, and that is going to translate to appreciation in stock pricing which then affects your portfolio. So yeah, I, I'm very optimistic about what's coming through this year. I think that optimism uh, can be shared by a lot of folks, and it is kind of interesting to see the different directions, opinions uh, that people have about the economy and about the different directions we're headed in, especially given some of the jitteriness we've seen in the stock market, not that just constant ascension that we've become accustomed to over the last several months. Interesting, we're going to next week, a little preview for you, we're going to talk about some of the former Fed chairman Alan Greenspan's comments about the economy being out of whack. So maybe a little bit uh, counter to what uh, Janine is laying out for us with the optimism heading into the rest of the year in the market. But hold your comments on that, Janine, until next week. we gotta, <laughs> we got to let that be a good teaser for next week's uh, conversation. Exactly. Well, there you go. That's a little taste of what's happening in the news. 
It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, it's mailbag time where we answer your questions on the Your Financial Mission podcast. And this week we're featuring a question from Brent. By the way, if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can go to theuswealthadvisors.com and find the appropriate contact us link on the homepage there. Brent says, this is a good one for you, Janine. My brother-in-law works in finance, and I heard him telling some folks at a recent party that everything is overvalued right now and there's nothing worth investing in at the moment. What does he mean by overvalued, and is it true? Well, that's a term that is frequently used by brokerage houses and on Wall Street and off Wall Street. And it is a perceived predictor of a stock's price over time. And if you look at the research that was done by Eugene Fama, he was the first Nobel Prize winner researcher to actually use computing power to look at the stock prices up and down um, sideways in the market. And lo and behold, it's very random. So is a stock price overvalued? Not really, because what we have learned from the research is that all knowable information is baked into the price of a stock at any given time. And so stocks are not really overvalued or undervalued. They just are what they are based on basically the wisdom of the crowd, what the market is producing that day. And it really is a supply and demand issue. So to say that is attempting to convince someone that you have some predictive power in the price of a stock. So I would disagree you know, with his assertion that everything is overvalued. Things are what they are. And so... Yeah, certainly if you were trying to buy individual stocks, you might say, okay, I'm going to buy it at 20 and I'm, you know, my, my goal is to sell it at 60, which may or may not happen, you know, or if yeah. it's at 60 and you think it's going to go down. So you're predicting that the stock price is going to go down. Well, nobody has that information. So what we have to go on is the research that says all knowable information is baked into the price of a stock. And so rather than trying to be predictive, let me just own the stock if it's worth owning. And the way we do that is through portfolio construction, not just picking and choosing and gambling with individual stock choices. But typically, somebody who's talking about that is saying they have some predictive power and that they think the stock is going to go down, so you should wait to buy it. So just as an aside, people need to understand that stocks in the market, more than 75% of the stocks are owned by institutions. So by the time you go to purchase a stock anyway, you're behind the by behind the eight ball big time because the institutions are already moving on high frequency trading. They're moving before you do. So, you know, you shouldn't try to get into that game. Yeah, it's a good point, and uh, it's a good question, Brent. How often are you seeing something like that, Janine, where somebody hears something at an event or a party or overhears it from a family member or a friend and that kind of thing, and, you know, they, they don't want to ask in the moment and, you know, maybe seem like they don't know, you know, that they're not as smart as the other people in the room, and then they end up coming to you later on and be like, hey, I heard so-and-so saying this. What do you think? Well, and, and that happens a lot because it's interesting you know, a lot of uh, analytical people, engineers, doctors, you know, people with a lot of education, and some not so much, will think that they have this power to do that. And inevitably, it turns out, it might turn out okay for a while, but then they get bitten. And that just happened to a client who, some time ago, I found out I, <laughs> that they had bought some Under Armour stock. And I, I kidded them, I go, oh, so you're cheating on me. 
and they bought it, you know, when it was low at like $20, $22 a share. Well, it went to 92. They did mm. not sell because everybody thinks the company's going to continue to do well. And now the, the, the stock is back down to like 16 or 17. So this is over a period of like five or six years. So at what point are you going to sell if you have an individual stock price? But they bought that because they thought Under Armour was going to do really, really well. Well, it did for a while. But if you don't have a plan to get out of that strategy, you're going to get sucked right into the downslide that's going to happen. And so I do see that a lot. Yeah, I think that's a great point and uh, something worth considering whenever you're trying to think about what are the best moves for you financially? Well, think about getting some of that outside guidance and counsel, because even the gurus who think they know everything don't always have the best insight on stuff. So definitely Brent, I think, took the, the right course of action here, overheard something, asked for more information about it from a reliable source. And uh, good job, Brent. We appreciate the question. Again, if you want to submit your questions, you can go online to theuswealthadvisors.com to submit those. All right, Janine, our main topic today is talking about some of these popular investments that are out there, but they're also pretty risky investments. Maybe Under Armour doesn't exactly fall into that category. I mean, any stock, I suppose, fits somewhat of that bill where the stocks are popular, but, you know, they all have inherent risk. We're going even a little bit further. Some of these things that have even a little bit more unknowns about them. Now, these, you know, risky ones can generate a lot of interest among folks because they may have really high potential upside, but they can also have just as bad of a downturn or uh, a downside to them. So we want to look at some of these popular and risky investments, see if people, Janine, are they talking to you about these things? Are they uh, investing in these things? Where do your clients or where do you, folks who are interested in uh, talking to you, where do they stand on these different kinds of items? I'll throw out a couple of these risky ones. You let us know what your thoughts are on them. And we've tackled this one before on the podcast, but in case somebody's a new listener, and uh, it's never a bad thing to re-hit these things as well, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin being the most popular, but there's lots of them out there. Oh, yeah. Well, there are probably a dozen crypto, quote unquote, currencies, the most popular and, and most commonly known is Bitcoin, of course. But as with all new things, there's not a lot of proven data on any of these. And so they are incredibly speculative. With Bitcoin, the way you make money with Bitcoin is to mine it. So you have to build yourself a server. That's an expensive proposition. What people don't realize is the amount of wattage and power that's required to run those servers to actually mine these cryptocurrencies is extremely expensive. So betting on a crypto is not exactly what most people think in terms of buying a stock, selling a stock. Depending on where this crypto is held, you might not be able to get it. Uh, I have an acquaintance, a young acquaintance who bought a bunch of Bitcoin and it's on a server in China. I don't think he's going to be able to recover <laughs> his Bitcoin. <laughs> uh -oh. So, you know, so there, there are things that are a little more challenging with some of these things. So, yeah, if you're anywhere close to retirement or in retirement, this is not the game you want to play. I'm pretty sure mind. my neighbor is uh, mining Bitcoin. A few months ago, there, I noticed he opened his garage door and it was like in the middle of middle of winter. And he has this huge fan pointed into the garage, and there's all these lights blinking inside of the garage now. So I'm pretty sure he's got servers in there, and he's probably mining Bitcoin. And even in the middle of winter, it probably was getting so hot in the garage, he had to open up the doors and uh, blow fans into the into the garage. And it's still like just a constant, you know, fan noise emitting from his garage. So. Oh, that's a great story because that's what people don't realize. 
and so if you're going to invest in something, you should try to understand all the different ramifications of what it is, because there are a lot of unknowns. And why throw money there? Unless if you don't understand it, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I, I do know he works for like a local video game company or something like that. So he may have some oh. decent like computer programming background knowledge, that kind of thing. And yeah, obviously a lot of time on his hands, too. But pretty interesting to see that phenomena kind of play out right next door. Either that or something much more illicit is going on. I don't know. But the, <laughs> the blinking lights and the fan lead me to uh, deduce that maybe he's mining some some cryptocurrency type stuff over there. That's too funny. Pretty interesting. Something else that's really risky but more popular these days, now maybe not so much in in your area, Janine, but certainly out west it's become very popular. It might creep its way east at some point in time. But that's obviously with the legalization of marijuana. Marijuana stocks have now become kind of a new hot rage. Well, like an IPO, which initial public offering, you don't have any long-term data. So what is it you're investing in? It's a bet. It's a speculation or a gamble that this stock price is going to go up or this company is going to go. Now, to be clear, those shops that have opened up where marijuana has been legalized, those shops are bringing in a ton of cash. But the whole banking system and everything else is having to adjust because because of the money laundering laws. These people are not allowed to put their money into the bank. So okay. there, are, you know, you've got some issues there. I mean, investing on a, on a thing like this, where it's you don't have any data or proven data over time, is also very, very speculative because those some of those companies will not be in business for very long. Seems to be kind of a similar risk level to there was the craze where everyone was thinking the Iraqi dinar was going to be the next big investment. You know, investing in a foreign currency like that was going to be the next big thing. And that segues nicely into the next risky investment, and that would be foreign currencies. That just seems like another world that you've got to just be really careful in, very volatile, right? Yeah, absolutely. And unless you're going to do this full time, I would not go down that road, even though they've made it a little easier. And, you know, you can invest in foreign currencies using ETFs or things like that. But you still need to understand it's a highly volatile medium, if you will. Foreign currencies are the largest, most liquid market in the world. It's $4 trillion. But there are huge risks because you're leveraging the margins used. And so that means you've got high volatility and a much, much greater risk of loss. So, you know, what I, I joke with some folks now and then about, I only want to work with the money you want to keep. <laughs> and yeah. so we're, not, we're, because that's the money you need for retirement. We're not going down this road. And if there is foreign currency investments, it's going to be in a structured platform where you're not trying to bet on which currency is going to be at the top of the game in any given year, because no one knows that. That's a great point to make, though. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, what about this one? And because these are popular, and I mean, we talk about popular. Okay, maybe marijuana stocks aren't hugely popular across the country yet. I mean, they're picking up a little bit of steam, and it's kind of got, you know, it makes a good clickbait headline to talk about marijuana and that kind of thing, I guess. But metals. Metals have been something that's been in the news, been popular for many, many decades and years. It's not new. Gold, silver, coins, all of those different kinds of things. What is the skinny, or as we like to say here every once in a while, on your financial mission with your background in uh, the military, Janine, what's the straight skinny on investing in metals? Because 
gosh, you look at some of these commercials and some of this advertising, it makes it seem like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, they do. And to be really blunt, when you see the commission rate and the fees charged, you would balk at doing that. Investing in gold and silver, and, and it's usually gold and silver, you know, titanium, I don't think is you can be invested in yet. But generally, I tell people the way to invest in gold and silver is to invest in your jewelry that you're going to wear. Because the commodities like that do have a swing. Now, yeah, gold's been riding around the $1,000 per ounce amount for some time. But in order to have made any money with that, you would have really had to buy it at $250 an ounce. I mean, silver, you know, goes up and down as well. And sometimes it goes counter to what gold goes. But it's a lot of those commercials play on fear and trying to get people to go to believe that it's a safe investment. Well, yes, you can hold it, but it's not necessarily a safe investment because you're still subject to the whims of the market in whatever the price is. So, you know, definitely you do not want to put this in your IRA because I've seen those commercials too, or, and you don't want to put it in a little safe. And I go back to the joke we, we've, we've had many times is if things in the world get so bad that you think you need gold, what you really need is butter and bullets. You don't need gold because how are you going to trade it? But generally speaking, if you're going to own metals or commodities, they should be owned in a structured fashion and not trying to pick and choose by the companies that manufacture it or mine it, which we would, you know, we hold in some of our portfolios. But the actual gold and silver itself, unless you're going to wear it, it doesn't really make sense to have gold bars. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's something you can't wear, oil. And oil has been really high at times. It's We've also seen it plummet to be very low. What's your opinion on investing in things like oil stocks? Well, interestingly enough, there are some tax advantages to doing oil and gas leasing strategies. They're very complex. So you want to make sure you get that right, because otherwise you can get hit some pretty, pretty significant tax burdens. But again, it's speculation. It's always speculation because you can get sold an oil right and, you know, the company can up, up and go bankrupt. So it's, you know, it's a lot more speculation than you probably want to have. Now, a lot of people will own Exxon or a very large company that drills. Well, that's the way to do it. But you, that's a small percentage of your portfolio, which would be the way to own it, not necessarily going out and buying specific oil stocks, per se. Mm-hmm. Now, we saw this next one, Janine, with uh, Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat was in the news and, and not just digital companies, but others as well. Those are just the ones that came top of mind in the last several years. But initial public offerings, when those IPOs come out, new stock hitting the market basically generates a lot of publicity, generates a lot of excitement. But it doesn't always spell, you know, immediate dollars for somebody to invest in. And there's definitely some inherent risk there, even though, you know, I think the pop and sizzle of an IPO creates a lot of that popularity. And that's exactly right. When Facebook went public, and typically in any IPO, the folks who make a lot of money in an IPO are the friends and family who own the stock before it went public. Because when it goes public, and depending on, you know, how the documents are written, because you used to have to hold on to that stock for a while, and now you can sell it within a short amount of time because there's a huge amount of money <laughs> for those people who already own the stock in an IPO. Typically in our portfolios, we don't own IPOs until we have at least two years of data because you want to know that the company is going to be viable. And typically when a company goes IPO, 
the price is overly inflated. So that helps the people who already own those stocks, not you, the average investor. So we, we pretty much stay away from those. Yeah, again, a lot of speculation involved with a lot of those initial public offerings. And then last but not least, you hear this term a lot. I've heard this on a lot of, uh, there's some financial radio shows out there that always talk about, you know, making money when the market goes up or when it goes down. It sounds like they're doing it using something called options. What are options and would you put them in this category of risky but popular investments? They are. And with options, you can make money primarily by selling options, which is the option to buy or, or sell a stock. So the folks who actually make a lot of money or make pretty good money using options are those who are doing it full time. The average investor is not going to be paying attention to a lot of this. You know, there are techniques called straddles. So whether the stock goes up or down, your risk of loss is limited to the straddle, which is at some point I'm going to sell. If it drops below 40, I'm going to sell at 40. <laughs> there are some things that you can do with options, buying and selling, puts and calls, things like that. But most people, that's not what you're going to do. And that's not where you're going to make your money. And it's not what you want your portfolio to be doing necessarily, especially in retirement, because you just want an expected rate of return with an expected level of risk. Options have more risk. You're betting on which way the market's going. So if you're going to do it full time, and this is now a new hobby of yours, then take some amount of money that you're okay with not doing well with and have at it. But for most people, this is, you know, it's either going to be embedded in a portfolio strategy as part of a fund that does that, or, you know, you're not going to do it at all because the risk is too great. The risk of loss is too great. Yeah, that's a pretty good point to make as well. So here's my last question for you. We've covered cryptocurrencies and marijuana stocks, foreign currencies, metals, oil, IPOs, options, and the like. You basically said no to all of these. So how can I have any fun as an investor? How can I, you know, if I want to retire, why can't I, you know, dabble in any of these things? Why can't I make any of these things part of my portfolio? You've, you've taken all the fun out of it, Janine. If you want to dabble, you can certainly do that, but don't do it with the money you want to keep. That's the key word, right? Dabble. <laughs> That's right. Because, you know, high returns, what is a high return? If you ask 10 people, you're going to get different numbers. It's very interesting. And then what is the risk you're willing to take to get that return? And is that real? A lot of people would love to have the 10% return, but they don't want a 20% risk or they don't want the standard deviation, which is, how, you know, how big of a roller coaster do you want to be on? Do you want the anaconda or you, or you want the kids roller coaster? The, the Scooby-Doo um, coaster. The <laughs> Scooby-Doo coaster, yeah. And, and that's a, that is the big question for most people is which roller coaster? Because you cannot, one of the things I, I try to emphasize to folks is you should not take risks for which you are not compensated. And people do that all the time when they attempt to chase return. So that's a big conversation around, okay, what is what are the different risks? How do I mitigate the risks? Because in the long term, if I can mitigate the risks and get a, you know, a reasonable expectation of the return I want, you're going to come out much further ahead. Yeah, it's a great point. 
Well, if you've got questions about any of these things, whether it be the question that we had earlier from Brent, something you've overheard about the financial landscape or the financial world, and you want more clarification on that, or maybe you've been thinking about investing in one of these popular but risky investments, and now you're thinking, okay, maybe I do need to have a little bit more of a conversation about some of these things. Is what I'm planning to do counted as dabbling, or would I be taking too much risk for my situation? I think this is uh, something good to consider. And if you'd like to get in touch with Janine to have that conversation, you can do that by calling 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. Or you can find us online at theuswealthadvisors.com. You can get in touch with us through the website, listen to past podcast episodes, and more. That's theuswealthadvisors.com. Janine, as always, thanks for the guidance on the show today, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Walter. That's Janine. I'm Walter. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission. Your Financial Mission.